This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We started talking last week about when the disciples were challenged about what they believed. Mark, the fourth chapter, let's read this story. We'll, we'll go into it and then we'll probably won't finish it, but we'll go into it again. This is the storm on the lake. On the same day when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, let's cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and the other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Just to recap real quickly, last week when we talked about encountering storms and they encounter storms, we can look at this story right here, but we can gather some things that this storm was not from God. Jesus said, I don't do anything but what I see my father do. I don't say anything but what I hear my father say. So you really just stop and think about it. If God sent the storm, then Jesus would have been working against God by calming the storm. So oftentimes in people's theology, they're taught, well, every storm in life comes from God. And, and that's not accurate. Uh, Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. The Satan comes to steal. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I've come that they might have life. He contrasted himself and Satan who is a thief. So last week we talked real quickly about storms. Came, and, and I actually, I didn't give you the whole thing. I say storms can come because of satanic attacks. Storms can also come, storms in our life, I'm using metaphorically, storms can also come in our life uh, because we do, we do foolish things. I mentioned my friend who, who told me that the devil stole his job. And then I found out that in two weeks, he'd been late six times. And so he got fired for being late. Devil didn't steal it. And so that, that concept. But there's another one, and I, did, I left this out. Do you realize storms can come in your life because of other things that other people do? So it's, it's really, but when a storm hits my life, we go through a, or Joy and I are looking at, maybe it's an attack. You're thinking, wow, this is kind of an attack situation. It just seems like there's a lot. I start, I start looking. One of the first things, places I look is me. Did I do anything? Did I, did, I, did I slip? If I didn't, if my heart doesn't condemn me, then I start looking for the enemy and, and stand against him. I am not thinking God sent storms. I, we have dealt with storms. We've dealt with financial storms, physical storms, sickness storms, all kinds of storms. Not once have I said, Lord, why did you send this storm? I said, Lord, thank you for showing me a way out of this storm. You didn't send it. This is sent to take me down, but I'm, I'm not going down. I'm standing with you. And so if you, and the reason I keep saying that is because if you're thinking, if you're believing is God sends every storm, you won't resist it. You're thinking, wow, God, you, but if you believe, God, you didn't send this storm, but you've got a way for me to get out of it, that's a whole different story. So when Jesus, when they said, Jesus, we're perishing, Jesus didn't stand up and go, Lord, what do you want me to do? Jesus stood up and went, he, he rebuked the storm. So he told the wind and the sea, calm down, and it did. But here's something interesting. He, after he did that, he said something interesting to his, uh, well, the disciples, Here's their response. They saw the storm and they woke Jesus up. Now here's where, they, here's, here's where they made a mistake. Jesus, don't you care? They accused Jesus of not caring. He was sleeping. He said, you don't care. 
And then their words indicated that they believed that they were gonna, they were gonna go down, that they were gonna absolutely perish. Now listen, when you get in the middle of a difficult situation, all of us have been in it. it it's easy, it's easy, and, it, and you don't wanna do this. You don't wanna begin to go, God, don't you care? God, don't you see? God, don't you care? And I realize it's difficult, but through your tears and, and through the tough times, one of the best things we can do when we go through a storm is go, God, thank you that you're with me. Thank you that you'll help me. Not accusing him of not caring. See, when Jesus woke up and, and, and responded to them, he dealt with the storm, but then he challenged the disciples about their lack of faith. Now, this is interesting. Jesus said, um, why are you guys so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Jesus was totally fair. So there must have been reasons for the disciples to have faith in the storm. See, if Jesus looked at him and said, I know you guys couldn't help it. <laughs> Bad storm. And uh, I got to calm down. We're good. That's not what he said. He, <laughs> he calmed it down. They looked at her and go, why are y'all so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, I don't think he just berated them. But he asked him a good question. Now, how many of you believe Jesus was totally fair? He wouldn't say, he would not, he would not ask them to do something that was impossible for them. See, if they couldn't have had faith in the middle of that, Jesus should have looked at them and said, I know you can't help yourself. But it's okay now. We're all gonna, we're, everyone, everyone's good. We're cool. Row the boat. That's not what he said. He said, why, why are you so fearful? How is it that you don't have faith? So there must have been reasons. So that's the question. Because I'm sure they might have been looking at Jesus going, what? We don't get, why? Why should we be having faith in the middle of this storm? Two things. First one were Jesus' words. When he said, let us cross over. Now, it's, it happened to them. It's happened to us. We have devalued words to the point where words don't mean a whole lot to us. I mean, I've, I've been guilty of it myself. Just saying. Jesus was not the kind of person that's like, just saying. I'm kidding. And his words had authority and they had power. And so when Jesus said, let's cross over, Jesus meant we're going over. He didn't mean let's go to the middle and sink. He meant let's cross over. Now, they're not accustomed to taking Jesus' words like this. Jesus talked to a group one time in John, the, John 6, and I don't, yeah, here it is. He said, in John 6, Carrie, if you jump to that one, John 6, 63, he said, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and their life. But there are some of you that don't believe. So Jesus had people that didn't believe. But he said, my words are spirit and life. Now here's, here's something that we have not taken into account. When Jesus said, let's cross over, he wasn't just saying his words had spirit, they had life in them, and they could have stood right there. They could have, they could have woken him up. Instead of going, Jesus, don't you care? They could have said, Jesus, uh, you said we're going over. We got a problem. Could you help us with this? That would have been a whole different thing. 
Instead of accusing him, they could have said, well, he said we're going over. So what's, what's happened is oftentimes we listen and, and you say, well, how does that make sense for us? Well, it, it makes sense for us because when we choose to believe God's word, then it becomes powerful to us. When you choose to believe that God said he hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, you choose to believe that, it begins to change things. So instead of putting up with fear, you begin to go, no, no, I do not have to live afraid. I don't have to live terrified because he said he hadn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What happens is sometimes we're waiting for something big in our life to show that God's word is true. What we have to do is take a step of believing to come to the place of knowing. Some, some of, now listen, how, how many of you heard someone tell you about Jesus Christ? Maybe it was a, a relative loved one that you knew about salvation before you ever got saved. That you knew about it, but maybe it was a few years. Anybody have a few years? Maybe you grew up in church. You didn't make a decision until later on. Anybody? Something? But how many of you knew what to do? I knew it when I walked across the field in Carbondale, Illinois. When I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life, I knew exactly what I was doing. I'd grown up in a Baptist church. I knew the plan of salvation. If you, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. I knew that. But knowing that wasn't powerful in my life until I began to act on that. So walking across a field in Carbondale, Illinois, in 1978, I bowed my head and said, Lord, I ask you to come into my life and to be the Lord of my life. And walking across that field on June 6th, I got born again. Just born again. Could I have been born again before? Yes. Yes. Some, some of you, I was laughing, I was talking with Joe McGee. Some of you, I, I watched when, when Joe McGee and Dave Reaver came. And I've been preaching my heart out to you guys for, for years. And I watch people and sitting in there and he gives an altar call and some of you just shoot that hand up. And I'm like, what have I been doing for this long? <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. What happened is that then when they chose to act on that and when they chose to act on it is when it became powerful in your life. When you make it personal is when it becomes powerful. When God's word becomes more than just God's word and it's the Bible and it's out there and all of a sudden it becomes something powerful in your life, then it, then it, whoa, it then begins to work. Second Thessalonians, will you put it up, Carrie? Second Thessalonians says this. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So when does God's word work in our lives? When we choose to believe it. So when these disciples, they could have believed it. They had, they, here's the other reason. They knew Jesus' character. They knew he was good. He's the guy that treated women right. He's the guy that touched lepers. He's the guy that healed the sick people. Everywhere he went, he brought life. So if nothing else, the, the last thing they should have said to him when they woke him up was, don't you care? They should have woke him up and said, Lord, I know you care about us. Help us in the middle of this storm. So they had his word, they had his character. What gives us a reason to have faith over fear in our life? If we have God's word and we know his character, that gives us a reason to believe. Even in the middle of a storm. Even in the middle. But listen, don't wait till you get in a storm. Just go ahead and start believing now. And just start believing his word is true in your life now. 
So here's another one. We can choose to believe that he is good. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, right here, right here. Here's something that, that it, this will be powerful if you'll do it. It's begin to say, when you leave, to say to yourself during the course of this week, thank you, Lord, you're for me. Now, it's easy to believe that God is for me. I'm a pastor. Or Joy. Or Justin. Or somebody that you see, you're like, oh, I know God is for you. If I came to you and said, you said, Alan, I got a prayer request, and I go, great, we're going to pray. I believe God's for me. You might go, yes, amen, Alan. God is for you. But you realize that God is for you just as much as he is for me. Now, some of you are thinking, Alan, I I don't know about that because you don't know how I've been. Yeah, but I do know the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if you've messed up and you've made mistakes and all of us have, instead of hanging on to that, just say, Lord, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But listen, when you, when you, begin, when you begin to say that, I promise it's going to sound different because we're not accustomed to saying things like, God is for me. God's for me. Joy and I, over the past year, have been doing something that's really helped us. We just, we'll, we'll say this out loud. Just a lot. I go, Lord's helping us. Lord's helping us. It, if you've never said it before, it sounds weird. What doesn't sound weird is talking negative. Right? Because we live in, in a world that's kind of negative. So if you just, just pop into your office tomorrow and go, I'll tell you what, I have no idea what the world's coming to. And everyone's like, oh yeah, Absolutely. And I tell you, things that's getting worse, I just, I, everyone, everybody's going to hell in a handbasket. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you, you, you want to rock up, you want to rock there? Well, step in your office tomorrow and go, God's good and he's for me. And they'll all go, praise the Lord. Yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> what, what, what's happened is, is we have to take God's word and make it a part of our life. That it becomes personal. So when Jesus looks at you, go, let's cross over. And you look at him and go, yes, let's. Me and you. You're in the boat, we're going. You say that you'll help me, you'll help me. You say that you're for me, you're for me. Does this make sense? What's, what's happened is we keep waiting for something out here to happen. It's when we take God's word. And we begin to put it in, his, in our hearts. But if you'll say it, what, what, there's, there's something powerful with words. They've been devalued to the point where we just think, oh, we're just, we're just saying, we're just saying. No, they're powerful. And your words are containers. And if you just forget to say, just, just try it this week. Just when you stop and think about it, just go, thank you, Lord, you're for me. Thank you, Lord, you're for me. You didn't even spare your own son. You didn't spare your own son. How are you not with me? with him also freely give us all things. That's a good deal. What, what are you doing? You're giving yourself 
a reason to believe. So when things get tough, instead of going, God, where are you? You don't care. That's when you begin to back up and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's for me. He's going to help me in this situation. Bow your heads with me just for a second. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for your help. Thank you that your word still is spirit and life in us. And we thank you for it. Thank you that you're for us. Thank you that you care deeply. And Father, thank you that you love each and every one of us intently. And so, Lord, we give you all the praise for that. And his heads are bowed and eyes are closed real quickly if you came this evening and said, Alan, I don't know that I have a relationship with the Lord. Or you're saying, Alan, I, I used to have a relationship with the Lord. I've gotten so far away. In either case, you're saying, man, I want to connect or reconnect. We're going to say a simple prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but we're going to pray. Heads are bowed, eyes closed. Real quick prayer, but it's powerful. If you want in on this prayer, I just need you to do one thing real quick. Slip your hand up just quick. Cross the auditorium. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. 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 Gotcha. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your courage. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you did, you did not lift your hand. You wanted, but you really want in on this. You can join us. We're going we're to pray this prayer out loud as a church family. You can jump in right here. And you pray it out loud too so that you can hear yourself. Your words are powerful here. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. You pray with us. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. And just still bowed eyes are closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Thank you, Father, for those who've come out of darkness into light and for those who've come back home. Thank you, Father, that you equip us and enable us to do everything you said we could do. And thank you that you're for us, all of us. We give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.